The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Good afternoon. As you all may remember, a sinkhole recently opened up in the town center. The situation, sadly, has worsened. Starting right now, no one may go outside under any circumstances. Leaving your homes could result in catastrophic damage to you and to the very fabric of the universe. Okay, bye. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 25th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be I haven't mentioned it on air yet, but a few weeks ago, actually in early February, YouTube banned one of our videos featuring Professor Salim Mansour on the topic of the U.S. election. The video, entitled Trump Alone, is still available on another platform, but in the absence of any reason given for its removal other than the usual, you know, we don't like it explanation, We can only assume it was because mention was made of a quote-unquote stolen election, which we all know is a taboo subject never to be spoken or mentioned because it is true. Quote, Hi, Just Right Media. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our spam, deceptive practices, and scams policy. We've removed the following content from YouTube. Trump alone, Salim Mansour, end quote. And without even a single example of what they were talking about, YouTube simply dismissed the opinions of an accredited university professor of political science by implying that what he was saying amounted to some kind of spam, deceptive practice, or a scam. (laughs) That's utter BS, and they know it. And over the past several weeks, I've been astounded by how many of the online content producers that I like to follow have been deleted from their various platforms on the grounds of unknown offenses justified in the same way as our own experience. And then just last week, I visited my own personal Facebook page to find that one of my posts, featuring Dr. Vernon Coleman's March 13 brand new tube video called COVID-19 Vaccines Are Weapons of Mass Destruction, (laughs) had a Facebook post laid on top of my own, which read, False information, checked by independent fact-checkers. And that wasn't the only thing Facebook posted to my page. And I'll tell you all about it, right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. And as always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. So, on top of our YouTube ban and that of so many others, and on top of the false information post by Facebook on my page, after our show last week... I see this warning attached to our show post, flagging it as, quote, mentioning COVID, end quote, and therefore issued a warning to anyone sharing the post. 
Problem is, <laughs> the post mentioned nothing about COVID. That term did not even appear in the post, and the show topic was not about COVID. The name of the episode, number 698, was, quote, speaking conservatively about conservatives and freedom. And again, it featured Salim Mansour. So why the COVID warning? Well, here's probably why, because here's how that post started. Quote, at a time when the coronavirus tyranny continues unabated, massive protests against lockdowns and other controls on personal association similarly continue unabated. Having no effective representation on the political front, the voices of freedom may be heard, but not heeded, and are indeed condemned, end quote. And the rest of the show, of course, was a, about a history of conservatism particularly in Canada, going all the way back to John A. Macdonald and to Sir Wilfrid Laurier. Great show, by the way. But that was as far as our non-mention of COVID went. But to make a long story short, I decided to take a closer look at these fact-checkers, quote-unquote, only to confirm what I had already suspected. And, and you know, the fact about fact-checkers is that they are paid propagandists spreading false information while simultaneously preventing the dissemination of accurate information. This took me back to my sharing Dr. Coleman's video on Facebook, where on top of labeling the post false information, Facebook posted an additional entry titled, quote, Related Articles, Fact Check, COVID-19 Vaccines Are Not Weapons of Mass Destruction, end quote which, of course, was a direct response to Dr. Coleman's assertions, not merely a it-violates-our-policy kind of response. And so that made it very unique, and I had to go check it out. And I want to share with you exactly what I found. But we won't be doing that until you can first hear a bit of what Facebook is reacting to, namely Dr. Vernon Coleman's original March 13th posting. He called it the most important video he's ever made, and pretty much begged people to share it and treat his commentary like a virus itself. And so the minute I heard his request, I knew I had to do my part. So here's what I did. I have edited the comments of Dr. Coleman down to what he referred to as the three problems concerning what are being called the COVID vaccines, which, you know, when I think about it, that alone is in itself such an epistemological fraud that it boggles the mind. But nevertheless, here we go with Dr. Coleman's three key problems with the COVID vaccine. The first problem, of course, is that these experimental vaccines have already proved to be desperately dangerous, killing many people already and producing serious adverse events in many more. The size of this particular problem can be judged by the fact that even the authorities admit that probably only one in a hundred vaccine-related deaths and serious injuries will be reported. It's impossible to estimate how many will die of allergy problems, heart trouble, strokes, neurological problems and so on, or how many will be blinded or paralysed. There's a list on my website of people known to be injured or killed by the vaccine, and it's a terrifying list to read. The death toll is terrifying, but most authorities keep insisting that these are all coincidences. When someone died within 60 or 28 days of a positive COVID-19 test, even if the test result was false, they were automatically treated as a COVID-19 death to push up the figures. But when healthy young people die within hours of having a vaccination, 
the deaths are dismissed as just coincidences. What a lot of tragic coincidences there have been. The second problem is the immune system problem known as pathogenic priming or a cytokine storm. What happens is that the immune system of the person who's been vaccinated will be primed to respond in a very dramatic way if that individual comes into contact with the virus in the future. The result can be catastrophic and this is what I fear will happen in the autumn and during next winter. The people who've had the vaccine are going to be in real trouble when they next come into contact with the coronavirus. Their immune systems will overreact and that's likely to be when there will be lots of deaths. Patients haven't been officially warned about this problem, although the evidence was published in the International Journal of Clinical Practice for October last year. The paper's entitled Informed Consent Disclosure to Vaccine Trial Subjects of Risk of COVID-19 Vaccines Worsening Clinical Disease. But there's been no informed consent for patients, and I suspect that most doctors remain ignorant of the risks. Patients are being told that there are no dangers with these vaccines. The elderly and those with poor immune systems are particularly likely to be killed. And what will give you a poor immune system? Wearing a mask, being isolated from other people and not getting enough sunshine are three obvious causes. Drinking too much alcohol and smoking too much tobacco while under house arrest don't help. The extra deaths will, I fear, probably occur in the autumn when vaccinated individuals are most likely to be exposed to the virus. The coronavirus spreads most rapidly in autumn and winter. As a result of the epidemic of illnesses and deaths that will take place, governments will start promoting the next round of vaccinations. There will be much talk of mutations, of course, and new, hurriedly prepared experimental vaccines will be produced and heavily promoted by celebrities who don't know anything about medicine or vaccines. Doctors who understand the dangers, but who have doubts, will, as usual, be silenced. Amazingly, I believe that the people behind this fraud were aware that this would happen. It was part of their evil plan. They knew that there would be an increase in deaths in the autumn and the next winter. They always planned to blame the deaths on a new version of COVID-19, one of the many thousands of mutations which will be around by the autumn. I suspect that this was what Bill and Melinda Gates were smirking about when they implied that we might not take the first pandemic seriously, but that we would treat the next pandemic far more seriously. And this brings us to the third problem, a problem I don't think they expected. This problem has just been outlined by Dr. Gert van den Bosch, who's a very eminent vaccine specialist. Indeed, I was originally sceptical about what he said because Dr. Bosch has previously worked with Gavi and the Gates Foundation. He's the last person in the world who could be described as being opposed to vaccination. Dr. Bosch has pointed out that the vaccines which are currently being used are the wrong weapons to use for this war against a virus infection. Disastrously, by giving vaccines to millions, we're teaching the virus how to mutate 
and to become stronger and more deadly. Trying to devise new vaccines for new mutations simply makes things worse because the scientists can't possibly get ahead of the mutated viruses. And the people who have been vaccinated are now sharing mutated viruses with those around them. And the mutations are becoming stronger and deadlier. Ending the lockdowns will be perfectly timed to ensure that new mutations of the COVID-19 virus are spread far and wide. There's another associated problem too. Normally our bodies contain white blood cells which help us defeat infections. Cells called NK cells, the NK stands for natural killers, help kill off invading bad cells. Once the NK cells have done their work, our antibodies appear and clear up the mess. However, Dr. Bosch explains that the COVID-19 vaccines are triggering the production of very specific antibodies which compete with the natural defences of the individuals who've had the vaccines. The natural defence systems of those who've been vaccinated are being suppressed because the specific antibodies which have been produced by the vaccine just take over. And these specific antibodies, the ones produced by the vaccines, are permanent. They're there forever within the bodies of the people who've been vaccinated. The disastrous result is that the natural immune systems of the tens or hundreds of millions who are having the vaccines are being effectively destroyed. Their immune systems will not be able to fight any mutated variation of the virus which develops within their bodies. And those mutated viruses can spread out into the community. I believe this is why new virus variations are appearing in areas where the vaccine has been given to lots of people. The bottom line is that giving the vaccines will give the virus an opportunity to become infinitely more dangerous. Every vaccinated individual has the potential to become a mass murderer because their bodies are becoming laboratories making lethal viruses. And worse still, some of the vaccinated individuals may become asymptomatic carriers, spreading lethal viruses around them. And the people who've had the vaccine won't be able to respond to the mutations because their immune systems have been taken over by an artificial defence system given to them by the vaccine and designed to combat the original form of the COVID-19 virus. The vaccinated individuals are going to be very much at risk when the new mutations start to spread. Their bodies are permanently and exclusively geared to defend against a form of the virus which is rapidly becoming out of date. Giving new vaccines won't help because the mutated virus will not be vulnerable. The scientists who are making vaccines won't be able to get ahead of the mutating virus. This should have been foreseen. It's the problem which explains why flu vaccines often don't work. The politicians and their advisers will lie and blame those who haven't had the vaccine for the development of new mutations and for the rise in deaths that's going to take place. But if Dr. Bosch is right, and I believe he is, then it's the vaccinated individuals who are going to threaten mankind. There'll be a major threat to anyone who's been vaccinated, but there'll also be a major threat to the unvaccinated because the viruses they're shedding are going to be more dangerous than the original one. We are in very dangerous territory. If we don't stop this vaccine program now, then it's no exaggeration to say that the very future of mankind is at risk. 
I hope Dr. Bosch is wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But everything in this video needs investigating seriously. And if these fears are not publicised and investigated, then we will know for absolute sure that the plan is to kill as many of us as possible. There can be no other conclusion. Strong words and quite a dramatic conclusion. But consider the conditions in terms of his argument. Dr. Coleman not only hopes that he's wrong, but demands an investigation of all the things he covered in his video, which in the original extended far beyond what we just heard in our audio selection. Coleman is literally begging to be proven wrong, but instead gets labeled a spreader of false news. The man has a lifelong experience as a doctor dealing with these very issues. What's wrong with this picture? Well, let's take a look at that picture by checking out what the fact checkers are saying about Coleman's commentary. Here's the article I was led to when I clicked on the fact check link that Facebook, which by the way is supposed to be a platform, not a publishing editor or fiction writer, how rude, and how unaccountable. But anyways, this is what they posted to my personal Facebook page. Headline, fact check, COVID-19 vaccines are not weapons of mass destruction. Vaccines work. Published March 15, 2021 by Dana Ford on the site of com. Quote, are the COVID-19 vaccines weapons of mass destruction? No, that's not true. There's no public evidence the vaccines put the future of mankind at risk. End quote. <laughs> I'm going to comment as I go. No public evidence? What kind of distinction is that to make? If the evidence, not the theory, was public, then we'd already all be destroyed, wouldn't we? <laughs> Nuclear bombs are weapons of mass destruction. Is there any public evidence that they could put the future of mankind at risk? Hmm. Well, there's Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There are all of the nuclear tests conducted to suggest that if placed in the hands of sinister agents, these weapons could indeed put the future of mankind at risk. And if, as more and more are contending, these vaccines are indeed part of a bioweapon attack, then certainly in the hands of the people having them now, yes, the vaccines can indeed put the future of mankind at risk. And when coupled with propaganda censorship and fact-checking, the probability that this is so goes right through the roof, I'm afraid. Anyways, continues Dana Ford, quote, to the contrary, Medical authorities widely agree the vaccines represent one of our best hopes of quashing the pandemic. The claim is one of several made during a video that recycles debunked conspiracy theories about COVID-19 and vaccines. The claims appeared in a video posted to Brand New Tube by Dr. Vernon Coleman on March 13th. The video titled COVID-19 Vaccines Are Weapons of Mass Destruction and Could Wipe Out the Human Race Toward the start, Coleman says, We all know that the evil elite, the Agenda 21, and Great Reset promoters have all along intended to kill between 90 and 95% of the world's population. Sadly, I fear it's probably too late to save many of those who've had the vaccine. Millions doomed, and I fear that many will die when they next come into contact with the coronavirus. Now, of course, that quote we didn't hear in our particular clip because that was part of the longer presentation. But she continues, users on social media saw this title, description, and thumbnail. 
Among Coleman's allegations are that an evil elite intended to wipe out up to 95% of the world's population, that the vaccines are gene therapy, and that they may kill more people than COVID-19. Independent experts have repeatedly disproven those theories, which are not supported by peer-reviewed findings by qualified researchers. Coleman begins with references to two debunked conspiracy theories, Agenda 21 and The Great Reset. Okay, wow. Somebody better tell Justin Trudeau before he gets himself all tangled up in yet another scandal that these are debunked theories that he is promoting in the public limelight. I mean, it's just amazing. And it continues. Lead Stories has previously written about Agenda 21, which is the idea the United Nations has a secret plan to wipe out 95% of the world's population. While it's true that Agenda 21 exists, hmm, they just said it was debunked, the UN plan focuses on sustainable development. It's not secret and does not call for the near extermination of the human race. You can see the text of the agenda here and they give you a link. Similarly, the Great Reset is a theory that proposes the global elite are conspiring to impose a nefarious secret agenda. In a recent blog post, the Institute for Strategic Dialogue offered the following description. The Great Reset is the name of an initiative launched by the World Economic Forum in June 2020 that called for fair outcomes and a rethinking of global investment and government expenditure in order to revive the world's economy in light of the catastrophic economic effects of the pandemic. Conspiracy theorists believe this initiative is in fact a plot to destroy capitalism and enact a one-world government under the cover of COVID-19. There's no credible corroboration for the conspiracy theorist's interpretation of the plan, which is explained in detail here, and then they give a link. You know, I'm just at a loss for words. Not only has the pejorative term conspiracy theorist already been used five times so far, to deny that the initiative call the Great Reset will destroy capitalism is fraudulent, fake, false, wrong, and stupid. That so-called initiative calls for an anti-concept, in their own words, called inclusive capitalism, where you own nothing and will be happy. Yes, again, in their own words. And the ownership of private property is the very foundation of capitalism, without which free markets cannot possibly exist. A property-less social system is called communism, period. Dana Ford, you're full of BS. To wit, she continues... Coleman clearly considers Bill Gates to be part of the global elite, mentioning the Microsoft founder by name in the video. Oh my goodness. Lead Stories has previously debunked the claim that Gates suggested eliminating 10 to 15% of the global human population through the use of vaccines. Gates' quote was taken out of context. He was talking about possible strategies to slow down population growth to reduce CO2 emissions. <laughs> That's even weirder. You know, Bill Gates is not only part of the global elite. He is a key funder behind much of the pandemic terrorism, and, and also he has a personal interest in forcing vaccines upon the world's population, one that extends even beyond the virus considerations and is all about tracking and tracing and controlling individuals regarding every aspect of their lives. All of this is part of the Great Reset. And I'm not quite sure what taking Gates' 15% quote out of context 
has to do with his status as an elite or with the possible dangers related to these therapies. The only mention of Gates in our selected audio bite was a reference to the fact that the doctor cited by Coleman, Bosch, once worked for Gates. Go figure. Her article continues, quote, At 2 minutes 10 seconds in the video, Coleman makes the claim that the vaccines for COVID-19 are gene therapy. He says, For longer than I like to think about it, I've been warning about the dangers of the COVID-19 vaccines. I know that they shouldn't really be called vaccines, but if I call them gene therapy, then the people who we're trying to reach, who've been told that they're vaccines, won't know what I'm talking about. Coleman has made this allegation before, and lead stories has debunked it before. The vaccines for COVID-19 do not modify a person's genes to treat or cure disease, which is how the U.S. Food and Drug Administration defines gene therapy. For a related debunk, <laughs> lead story spoke to Dr. Douglas Drevitz, Chief of Infectious Diseases at the Oklahoma University Health Sciences Center. In an email dated February 3rd, 2021, he wrote, Vaccination, e.g. mRNA vaccination, does not alter any genes or DNA. It simply instructs our immune cells to make an immune response against a germ or against a part or a product of a germ e.g. a toxin, such as in tetanus or diphtheria, end quote. First, let's be clear that this very description of how the mRNA gene therapy works is no different from how any of the people he's trying to debunk describe it. It's just that they're more honest about it, while this fact check, though being factual, <laughs> is being used in a false argument. It's like saying, you know, that a gun that fired the bullet and killed someone was not the murder weapon. It was the bullet. The gun merely instructed the bullet to ignite and propel itself from the chamber. Once outside the chamber, that bullet had nothing to do with the gun because it was not the gun itself that directly killed the victim. It was the bullet. That's exactly the argument that we're hearing, even to the point of admitting that what is being produced in the body is a toxin. She continues... In the video, Coleman further alleges, at 7 minutes, 2 seconds, see there's another fact. The vaccines weren't designed to prevent infection or transmission. The vaccines don't stop people from getting COVID. That's not true. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, all the vaccines currently available in the United States are highly effective at preventing COVID-19, end quote. Well, let's stop there for a moment. There is simply no possible way to make such a claim, and there's no evidence, whatever, that this is the case. And even if, even if the gene therapy, say, was in fact 100% effective at preventing COVID-19, there would be no way to know this for years to come, since the vaccines are so new and experimental and that there are no reliable studies or stats even possibly available at this time to dare to make such a statement. How dare they? And of course, we already know that these therapies are not safe and risk-free, about which we'll hear more later. Then get this, quote, Of course, that doesn't mean that someone who gets the vaccine could not contract COVID-19. There's always a chance, but the odds are dramatically decreased with a vaccine, which may also help you from getting seriously ill if you are infected with the virus, end quote. This explanation is in no way any different from what we're told about every flu vaccine every year. And she continues, 
The CDC recognizes the COVID-19 vaccines as an important tool to quash the global pandemic. It recommends that people get the vaccine as soon as they're eligible. Here's more from the CDC. Wearing masks and social distancing help reduce your chance of being exposed to the virus or spreading it to others. But these measures are not enough. Vaccines will work with your immune system, so it will be ready to fight the virus if you're exposed. The combination of getting vaccinated and following CDC's recommendations to protect yourself and others will offer the best protection from COVID-19, end quote. And what a pile of BS. This argument in no way addresses any inaccuracies in Coleman's statements. It confirms his assertion that getting vaccinated will not bring any end to our COVID miseries. Quote, unquote, these measures are not enough. To say nothing of the fact that the virus originally attributed as the cause of COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, remember that one? Which has yet to be isolated in a way that can prove it's being the cause of COVID, has long since dissipated. So whatever this vaccine is for, it ain't COVID-19. But wait a minute, did you also catch that other statement? Vaccines will work with your immune system? Shouldn't they actually be improving the immune system itself? These are two very different things, and it offers more plausibility to the idea that the vaccines being independent of one's immune system might actually attack that immune system, which is exactly the argument being made, and for which there is already accumulating evidence, which of course is coincidental. And to say that the vaccines will prepare your immune system so it will be ready to fight the virus if you're exposed belies the necessity of continued mask wearing and social distancing. I mean, if the vaccine is so great <laughs> and our immune systems become so strong, then why all the continued physical precautions? Hello, you know? Dana Ford's BS continues. Coleman is not convinced. At 3 minutes 10 seconds in the video, he says, I think I was right to suggest that the vaccines could kill more people than COVID-19. And later, around 8 minutes and 20 seconds, he adds, The death toll is terrifying, but most authorities keep insisting that these are all coincidences. Indeed, Lead Stories has covered these coincidences before. It is statistically inevitable that some people will get sick and die after getting the shot for reasons that are totally unrelated to their body's response to the vaccine. People die every day and everything from heart attacks to cancer. The vaccine administered to millions daily in March of 2021 will not prevent those deaths. The hope with the COVID-19 vaccines is that they will lower the number of people who contract the disease, which will thereby limit the spread and decrease the number of additional illnesses and deaths. Between December 14, 2020 and March 8, 2021, more than 92 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine were administered in the United States. Get this. Some people experienced no side effects. Others had mild side effects, such as pain, swelling, fever, while a small number of people experienced severe allergic reactions, something the CDC describes as extremely rare. To date, the CDC, which investigates any report of death, quote, has not detected patterns in cause of death that would indicate a safety problem with COVID-19 vaccines, end quote. Wow. In contrast, more than 2.6 million people have died from COVID-19 worldwide, including more than half a million in the United States, according to the latest numbers from Johns Hopkins University. 
Lead Stories is working with the Coronavirus Facts, Dados Coronavirus Alliance, a coalition of more than 100 fact-checkers who are fighting misinformation related to the COVID-19 pandemic. End quote, Dana Ford. Dana Ford is an Atlanta-based reporter and editor. She previously worked as a senior editor at Atlanta Magazine Custom Media and as a writer-editor for CNN Digital. Ford has more than a decade of news experience, including several years spent working in Latin America. Yeah, okay, well, Dana Ford is really fact up, man, I'm telling you. And as I also discovered, Facebook fact-checker lead stories has been described by others online as a, quote, biased outfit bristling with ex-CNN staffers that presents itself as neutral, despite most of its employees having donated to the Democratic Party, end quote. And on and on it goes. Now, to speak to the issue of fact-checking and to the slanted journalism from which it originates, on both sides of our upcoming bumper, we'll be hearing the voice of Cheryl Atkinson, a, quote, five-time Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist, past correspondent for CBS News, and even an anchor for, believe it or not, CNN. She hosted a weekly medical news show on PBS called Health Week and has been the winner of many awards for independence and excellence in journalism, too many to mention here on our show, and she was speaking at Hillsdale College this past February 24th to promote her latest book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. You should check out her entire presentation if you're inclined to do so, because the numerous egregious and outrageous examples of how the mainstream media truly earned its label of fake news borders on the comical. But for now, we only have time to sample a couple of her examples. Today, I'm speaking about journalism in the 2020 election, slanted journalism. A little quiz for you. Based on this headline in The Atlantic, who would you guess came out on top in a September 2019 election in North Carolina, Democrats or Republicans? It says, North Carolina gives Republicans a wake-up call. The results of a special election portend trouble for the GOP in 2020. Sure sounds as though Republicans got their clocks cleaned. After all, the headline states they got a wake-up call and the results portend trouble for the GOP. So, you might be surprised to learn, as I was, that the Republicans actually had a successful night. It's laid out right there in the article if you get past the misleading headline. In a congressional race, the Republican candidate beat the Democrat by a far wider margin, it says, of 4,000 votes, and separately in a state special election, Republican Greg Murphy won as expected. How on earth did those Republican victories elicit a headline implying that the Republican had lost? It's as if somebody was bent on pushing a particular narrative regardless of how the actual election turned out. In this way, we can see how reporters who are pushing a narrative don't care much about the facts. Pesky facts that contradict a narrative are nothing more than a nuisance to brush off. Reporters simply devise ways to dispense of them. Another example demonstrates nearly every trademark of a narrative and the perils that come with reporters advancing it blindly. On April 15, 2020, Politico reports that President Trump owed the Bank of China tens of millions of dollars in a loan coming due in 2022 as he dealt with China on the coronavirus pandemic. 
The implication there is that Trump can't be as tough as he needs to be on China and Chinese leaders for unleashing COVID-19 and covering up its seriousness because he is beholden to them. This news makes headlines around the world. Trump owes tens of millions to the Bank of China and the loan is due soon, blares the headline on Politico. Donald Trump's debt to China, reads the New York Times' headline. And National Review, Trump owes millions to Bank of China for building loan, reports show. But it isn't true. Shortly after this news circled the earth, the Bank of China issued a statement saying it had held that Trump loan only for 22 days before selling it to a U.S. real estate firm in 2012. In other words, tens of millions of dollars that Trump supposedly owed China, due soon, was actually owed for only three weeks back in 2012, eight years before. Obviously, these facts negate the whole idea behind the story, but the media are not about to admit that they made a mistake. Politico simply changes its headline, Trump owes, to Trump owed China, past tense. They and the other media pretend the false information they'd published had little bearing on the actual news. National Review likewise simply changes Trump owes to Trump owed. Politico could have avoided the error if it had, hadn't failed to follow a basic rule that's taught to every 19 and 20-year-old journalism student. Contact the people you're talking about in a story before you publish. Of the, th of the, th <clears throat> pardon me. Of the three reporters bylined in the article, Mark Caputo, Meredith McGraw, and Anita Kumar, none apparently thought to contact the Bank of China before publishing the story, and apparently no editor thought it was necessary to do so either. Had they done their job, they likely would have learned prior to publication, as they were supposed to, that there was no current loan to Trump from China, thus avoiding their major flub. There are so many of these mistakes, it starts to look like a pattern, a strategy against Trump, not just sloppy mistakes. And I tracked the major media mistakes and never found one that favored Trump. That starts to look like a pattern, too. To impact the 2020 election and control narratives looks at the verbiage of the narrative. Before Trump, we as news reporters might have pointed out discrepancies or contradictions between claims made by a newsmaker and facts. We might have noted that a statement or a claim was disputed or that it had proven incorrect or false, but we did not declare newsmaker statements to be lies. Why avoid using the L word in news reporting? Well, a lie is a very specific thing. And short of a confession, it requires a reporter to claim to know what's inside the mind of the person speaking. In fact, when somebody gives contradictory information or makes a false statement, it could theoretically be for many other reasons. As unlikely as those excuses might seem, it's not the place of a news journalist to claim to know what's in a person's mind. In fact, there are very few instances I can think of where it's appropriate for a reporter in a news report to claim that a newsmaker lied. The good practices that I've described, the reluctance to pretend to see inside the mind of the subjects we report on, used to be considered the norm in journalism. But all of that has gone out the window. Now reporters frequently take sides boldly declaring one side or one newsmaker to be telling the truth, and another, usually Trump, to be lying, 
even when the truth is unproven or impossible to know, or when the differences are matters of interpretation or clashing opinions, or even when the lies or exaggerations are misstatements. The New York Times, as I mentioned, has led the way in declaring itself arbiters of Trump's lies, and we've seen uh, the media quickly followed suit, and biased observers heralded it all as brave and groundbreaking. Instead of providing critical pushback to this questionable journalistic shift in which reporters call opinions of their enemies or opinions they disagree with lies, Columbia Journalism Review jumped on the bandwagon, patting the New York Times on the back for calling Trump a liar. A precedent has been set, declared Columbia Journalism Review approvingly, which is great. Columbia Journalism Review goes on to say, by using a word that comes from the vocabulary of advocacy in its own voice, the Times and other news organizations have taken the truth-telling standards of the news business to a new level. There's a second set of news phrases the media invented and deployed specifically against Trump. Without evidence, no credible evidence, and no evidence. First, without evidence. As a news journalist, I don't recall ever using or uttering the phrase without evidence when reporting on anybody or anything over the course of about 35 years until we covered Trump. At first glance, it might seem as though phrases like without evidence and no credible evidence are more fact-based and responsible than tossing around accusations of lies, but they can be just as problematic. Who decides what evidence is credible? An absence of evidence does not necessarily mean a claim is discredited, after all, there is no evidence that polio could be transmitted via water or through the oral polio vaccine until there was. There was no evidence that some cholesterol is good for your health until there was. Without evidence is an invented concept for the purpose of slanted reporting. Consider that throughout time, few newsmakers have presented evidence when making statements. It was never expected that each comment or speech would be accompanied by a set of footnotes or citations until Trump. Now, without evidence is commonly invoked in a one-sided fashion, usually against Trump and his supporters, and typically when the media want to call them into question or disparage them. The media has been successfully influenced and, in fact, infiltrated by corporate and political interests. This explains why it's no mystery and no accident. The devolution of the news, as I call it, is by design. And it ties in quite directly to this accelerated and dangerous trend towards censorship we've seen the past four years, but in particular, I'd say the last six months. In 2016, by that time, the news landscape, in my view, had largely been dominated by political and corporate interests who were defining the terms of what we could and couldn't report about the language that we had to use and the kind of people we could interview. But these people saw that Trump got elected anyway in 2016, despite the fact that most of the media had told people not to vote for him and that he was inherently dangerous. So these people seeking to influence the information landscape, they blamed the internet. They thought that people were largely controlled in the news that they could get but we could still go online and get other opinions, see other scientific studies, hear other viewpoints. And if you remember, before 2016, big tech did not have great interest in this sort of censorship. There were issues with privacy and other problems, but they were not doing what, we, what I call fake fact checks. They were not censoring accounts and interfering between us and our information to tell us what we can and cannot believe. 
Now, fact checks, whether they're done by nonprofits or newsrooms, are largely funded and influenced by political and corporate interests who want to control that information. And in fact, David Brock of Media Matters, the propaganda group, took credit for co convincing Facebook right after the 2016 election to start up those fake fact checks. This was a lobbying campaign. Fact checks now have become simply another tool of propagandists. How do we fight censorship? Well, when a person or idea is fact-checked or banned or censored or controversialized, I think we should make it our mission to find out more about whatever's being censored and ask the question, why do powerful interests not want me to have this information and make up my own mind? You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. So why do powerful interests not want us to have this information and make up our own minds? Well, let's attempt to answer that question by way of illustration, shall we? And we'll do that by heading into our next audio bite just about right away, since I think more people need to hear the kind of thing that you're about to hear. saw a terrifying headline in one of our own local papers recently, which suggested that 80% of Israelis have opted to get the COVID-19 vaccine, placing it as the top-ranked country in the world having its citizens get a jab. That 80% just seemed a little bit too difficult for me to believe. Well, as usual with the mainstream media, the real story is never told. I had my attention drawn recently to a website called Health Impact News, which was filled with anonymous accounts and pleadings of people from around the world reacting to what was happening in their own particular localities and personal lives. Coming up next are two such voices out of Israel. The first, a desperate plea for help from the outside world, while the second offers us just a few examples of those vaccine coincidences that were described by the official fact-checkers. Hello to you. This video is in English because I want to describe uh, the life of a non-vaccinated people in Israel today. One day we woke up to a nightmare which we have been kidnapped by our own government, which sold us to be a guinea pigs to an experimental vaccine that they want us to donate, uh, to give up our bodies and our souls with no questions. We have become the biggest clinical trial of a vaccine in history in a scale of entire country. Imagine that. Usually, when you volunteer to an experiment, you have the right to say no, to agree or not to agree. But here, nobody asks us. Nobody asks us. They let us feel that it's not right and it's not okay to do what you want to do as a person. And if you don't participate in this vaccine trial, you are actually a criminal in your own country. This is crazy. The Israeli government operates like a terrorist organizations and force people to join in this experimental vaccine whose future is unknown and his medical results are still in the fog. Okay, they are lying in the media and 
they are closing at the moment the sky we are imprisoned uh, in our own country there is no going out no going in no flight we are prisoners in our own country like you do an experiment you know you close all the rats and you want to see what's going on there is uh, no transparency okay no transparency whatsoever to the people all government discussions uh, about the corona are hidden from the citizens uh, for 30 years and it's supposed to be okay for us to take this vaccine okay it's supposed we're supposed to trust the government after they are hiding from us this critical critical informations that blocked out about this experiment in the agreement with Pfizer for 30 years you know, the agreement was uh, signed up like two years ago before the corona has already spread. This is crazy. We cannot go uh, free to the street. There are cops, police everywhere. We are asking for help, help from all the global human rights organizations that see it at the moment. This is a fascist behavior, brainwashing through the media. At the moment, I want you to know the people of the world Half of the population, half of the people, nearly 5 million people, as they claim, yeah, we don't believe to that, okay, have been vaccinated. 5 million people have been vaccinated in Israel. Most of them, and listen to that, most of those people are forced. They are not choosing to do it. They, they force to give up their freedom and the control of their body uh, from lack of choice, social and government rape. They let us understand that it's either you will vaccinated yourself or you cannot go to work. You are a type B citizen if you're not get vaccinated. This is crazy, people. Now it's in our country. Now it's in Israel. Tomorrow it will be at your country. Tomorrow it will be at your place. We have no rights as human beings and the country has become a di dictatorship under this false, false epidemic and virus whose recovery rates are 98%. This is crazy. This is crazy in every scale. They are lying about the numbers of dead and the reason why people die. They, they stick a corona label to every death, every disease. Uh, the hospitals receive 22,000 shekels for each corona death. A lot of people at the moment in Israel are getting hurt and develop severe side effects and die from the vaccine, but the media hides those facts. So we are the people of the hardcore, and you cannot convince us that it's for our own health when our own health is the last thing that interests you. Everything is about money and control, and you have proven that in a million, million ways. We will not fall for this cheap populism and medical fascism when critical information is hidden from us for 30 years. You are constantly lying to us and we don't have any faith in the government no more and we will not give up we will not donate an information about our privacy and our bodies and our mind to any corporations authorities 
person, state, or a country, our body and mind is our, and that will be forever. And I'm telling you, the people of the world, today, this is here in Israel, this is in our country. Tomorrow, it will be in yours. So wake up. Do not sell your freedom. You are free people. Please share this video. Share it to everyone you know in the world. People need to know those crimes against humanity that's going on in Israel at the moment. I thank you with all my heart and big hug for everybody. This is from a, a recent radio program broadcast here in Israel, and it's Mordechai Sones is a reporter, and he's just wanting to help people understand that this new vaccine, Pfizer, was the one that's being used in Israel. So I just want you to take a listen so that you have an idea. I'm Mordechai Sones, and this is your daily news report from Israel News Talk Radio. Rabbi Dr. Avraham Yoshua Heschel Tversky, age 90, has died after reportedly receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Rabbi Yitzchak Arya Shiner, Rosh Yeshiva of Kamenetz and Degelatora Council of Torah Sages member, age 98, has died after receiving the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Leifer, age 73, from Bnei Brak, has died after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Moshe Levy reports that his son-in-law, Itzik, age 40, has died three days after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine on Thursday. On Sunday, he left for work and did not return. He was found lifeless in his car at the side of the road. Levy reports his son-in-law was healthy. Rabbi Asher Solomon, age 76 from Jerusalem, fell ill and died two days after receiving the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. He suffered many pre-existing health conditions. Rabbi Moshe Yosef Weissman, age 81, died after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Robert Lauderdale, aged 80 from Efrat, has passed away three weeks after receiving the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. He suffered many pre-existing health conditions. Shadi Chatayev reports his grandfather died after receiving the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Yuval Hagoel, age 45, from Arad, had a heart attack and died after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. He suffered from diabetes. Shabtai Malki of Petah Tikva has died soon after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Helena Dudovsky reports that her aunt, age 69, died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Zohar Zamir reports her aunt had a stroke and died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. She was an active and healthy woman. Natalie Chayon reports her mother died the day after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Former soccer player Betzalel Avitan, aged 80, died the day after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. He was reportedly healthy. Nursing home resident Shmuel Weber has died after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Famous Ashkelon photographer Gregory Barkhan has died of a heart attack after receiving the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Eddie Avitan of Kiryat Malachi, age 67, has died two days after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. A 45-year-old inmate at Rimonim Prison received the COVID-19 vaccine. A day later, he was found dead in his cell. 
Sion Dayan from Netanya, age 51, suffered cardiac arrest and died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. He was reportedly healthy with no background illnesses. Yigal Tiram of Givat Olga, age 68, died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Marina Marilashvili reports her grandmother died two days after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Claudia Shohan reports her father, Natalio Bendelman, an 85-year-old resident of the Zimmerman Nursing Home in Ranana, began to feel ill and died four days after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. His daughter reports her father was healthy and lucid up until his death. Yitzchak Izo Nadler, age 64, did not wake up the day after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Ahuva Kellerman of Jerusalem, age 25, died a week after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Lior Tavari reports his grandmother died immediately after receiving the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Udi Mado, age 49, died of a heart attack five days after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Menasha Cohen from Kiryatata, age 89, died immediately after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Mayor Fish from Stechemed, age 55, died about a week after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. The list continues, but cannot be brought here in its entirety due to time constraints. After succeeding Sunday and extending the current lockdown, this time until Friday, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu repeated, we will use the time to vaccinate another million Israelis. And now we'll look at the weather. So I just want to finish this short little video by saying what our government, the government of Israel is doing is quite evil and withholding this information from the citizens of this nation. Wow, those death reports sure were a lot of coincidences, weren't they? And all within a very short period of time and in a small geographic area. And that's just the deaths, not the injuries and other side effects or any of the consequences that might appear in the future. But did you notice how she referred to a deal that Israel made with Pfizer, the details of which will be kept secret for 30 years, and it was a deal that was made like two years ago? Plandemic, anyone? And this is how darkness works. I want to tell you, the darkness works like this. It informs you and updates you for every plan they have been want to do in advance in a way that they bypass the consciousness mind and just to get your unconscious consent so they can tell that you, you consented. But it does not work on a wake up people. We are or a hardcore, as they say. We have another mechanism, a consciousness gatekeeper that they fail to penetrate, you know, and they are afraid of it, you know, they are really afraid of it. And yes, they are afraid. And that's exactly why all of their censorship and fact checking is so critical to their strategy. So here's a major lesson to take away from all of this censorship and fact checking. Do you know what it means when Facebook posts an entry to your personal page that reads, COVID-19 vaccines are not weapons of mass destruction? It means that COVID-19 vaccines are weapons of mass destruction because both the vaccines and their accompanying fake narrative are the creations of massively destructive people. Consider the source. They have been wrong you know, about 100% of the time. Remember, they always refuse to debate or to discuss their fact checks with anyone whose facts they are checking. The left never debates the true right. Never, ever. We are in a war. 
not in a viral pandemic. It's a war that never ends, and it's a war between tyranny and freedom. Hence the phrase, eternal vigilance. Wake up and find out more when you join us again next week as we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. You, you are marvelous. Sometimes war brings out the best in a man. And after the war, what will you do? Pretty much the same thing, I hope. <laughs>